Welcome to the Next in Time podcast, where we explore the fascinating depths of how people have the potential of impacting the world with the mission and vision of their project. Join us on this audio journey as we uncover the hidden gems of one's vision, delve into thought-provoking discussions of why they're pursuing it, and see how they're going to make an impact. If you're a curious person, this podcast is your go-to destination. Hey everyone, welcome to the Next in Time podcast. I'm your host, ST, and today our guest is Dapo Kolawale. He is the founder and CEO of Rumi, which is a platform on gearing towards revolutionizing the urban living space through technology-driven furniture solutions. So, Dapo, welcome to the show. Thank you, ST. Nice to be on the show. Yeah, you've got a very interesting way of really promoting your vision of Rumi, where it's like a, you're trying to revolutionize the urban living through furniture solutions. Like, that's a lot of things all put together. Uh, yeah, it's, if you if you live in a city, which I used to live to, I don't live in the city anymore right now, but when I did live in the city, the challenge that I had was that I was constantly on the move, relatively every 12 months, um, for reasons like, you know, I, I have to move out because I have a new job that's in a different side of the city, or it's I'm in a expensive building and all of a sudden it's like, okay, rent's going up. I need to find something that's a lot cheaper. But every time I had to move, furniture was a challenge. You know, so how do I, will this fit in where I'm going to? Can I get rid of it in, in time? Should I even be investing in the kind of style of furniture that I like, or should I just settle for Ikea? I know that that's what I have. I see it always Ikea, man. That's the spot. Everyone just goes to Ikea to get their one piece of furniture. Like they just go there and go out, go out, walk into this nice large store, eat some nice food, nice Swedish food, and then get, yeah. some, get some furniture. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the Swedish food will get you. In fact, there are many times I've been to Ikea, not because I need furniture, right. because I want the Swedish <laughs> so yeah it's not you know because i when i looked at your company i realized that you know i was on a road trip last year doing living in different parts of the country and the issue i've always found was that most of the listings is like i always had to search for furnished homes because i you know it's hard to really carry so much furniture back and forth from point a to point b to point c and i always search for furnished homes where i furnished like rooms that was much more easily easily convenient for me and you know and my stuff because i was i was literally just in my car going to the going to one place getting my like selling down selling my luggage down and selling myself down and then moving to the next place and then moving to the next place so it was like it was i just had to be very strategic and pick furnished rooms in order to you know settle down there yeah how was how i guess the question i should quickly ask you is that in the search for furnished apartments were they far and few in between or were there a lot of options out there there um let's just say if there were furnished it cost a bit more than unfurnished yeah and, and but there were plenty there there were some i would say it was mid-level in terms of the expectations like it was like it was just a couple of furnished rooms compared to tons of non-furnished rooms yeah that's usually the case yeah it's it's um it's a very delicate balance between how much you're willing to spend versus convenience. Like if you do find like when, when I look at a competitor analysis, for example, yes, places that rent out their homes or their apartments that are fully furnished is a competitor for Rumi because you're like, it's not dealing with Rumi. I'll just find a place that's fully furnished. You know, the challenge with that is one, you may or may not like 
style, if style is important to you, um, functionality is important to you. Those are the kind of things that you have the options to select on room versus you kind of look at a picture of the, of the settings and, and other images listed on Craigslist on Facebook marketplace. And then from there, you're like, you know, I'm going to take it or no, this is not what I was kind of looking for. Cause I've, I, you know, over my time in college and stuff like that. And even when I was dating my, my wife and I visited her when she was renting a fully furnished apartment, a lot of the furniture were like dated. You know, you, I felt like yeah. I was in my, my grandparents. <laughs> uh, I believe, wait, where, which city was this? This was, um, Dahlonega in, in Georgia. Oh, Georgia. Yeah, Georgia. I know where that is because I, I'm based in Atlanta and some of the homes in the areas in Georgia, they're, they're, they're been dated. Like some of the rooms where you feel where you definitely feel like, okay, you're back in your grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. So like back in the fifties. Yeah. That's, that's the experience. And, and she did a couple of rotations in other cities as well. I remember visiting her in Queens, New York. And if you've ever seen some of the scenes from Godfather, yeah. the move and it's like you walk into a space i was like i don't think they've ever changed any of the furniture she's just in it's like this i believe really, the year 2024 is not the same as 1974 that's for sure <laughs> that is still true well said well 50 years since the second godfather came out so <laughs> yeah. yes well said well said and and so what is it so what is it about the idea of Rumi that just got you interested like just yeah other than, other than the con you know wanting to solve this very convenience factor for furniture but is it just like is it because you've seen the uh, like you've, you've seen that experience where you were whatever furniture room you stayed in it was just not what you expected it to be and i believe yeah that was a very good question so my background is in the commercial furniture industry i spent about 20 years in that space i've always been around aesthetically pleasing and functional furniture Furniture that when you walk into that space, be it an office space or a showroom or a conference room, it just makes you, it, you, you, you kind of like, it's like walking to the lobby of a, of a very good hotel. Yeah. When you walk into the lobby, you're like, I like what I see. Or sometimes you're walking like, yeah, it's okay. Or sometimes you're like, I'm not staying here. <laughs> you know? So my mindset was I want any room in my home to give me that feeling. Yeah. That when I walk into that space, I want to go, wow, I like what this space looks like. You right. know, some what you call an Instagram ready kind of room. But for you to do that affordably, I was thinking you it's gonna cost too much money for you to buy all these pieces, but can you rent it as needed and switch out stuff? And if you then like it, you could then buy it. Yeah, especially when you're young and traveling to different parts of the country and you just want to test places out. It's definitely where you want, like a lot of people want this room where it's very aesthetically pleasing to them and not, and uh, it's very expensive, as you mentioned earlier, it is very expensive to uh, get the, uh, get these rooms, uh, like get these rooms properly furnished. It's, and you know, you know, and travel and also doing all that, all carrying furniture on your, in your, in your pickup truck. It's a, uh, in your moving truck. That's a lot to pay. That's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. That's even even have. That's even. That's if you have a moving truck. A lot of people that live in urban cities, 
rely on hopefully a friend that has one or you are the one going to some burb to rent a u-haul that you never driven before yeah you probably never driven something that big before that you have to now i've only driven i've only driven a minivan that's the largest vehicle i've driven but not a u-haul truck <laughs> yep yep i drove a u-haul so i had a, a job opportunity in the states from Toronto and I loaded all my stuff into a U-Haul and drove across to States for that opportunity. So, but I never driven something that big for that long. It was like an eight hour drive. And how long have you been working in the furniture business? Um, I've been in commercials, not residential, but commercial space for just over 20 or just under 20, around 20 years. I started with a furniture, commercial furniture company in Canada. And then when I moved to the States, I was working to with a couple of other companies here in the same kind of kind of category. Right. And so like, what was the end? So you worked in this. So what made you really get interested in like just the, the world of furniture? Yeah. So that's a very initially I wasn't. I just did an internship at a commercial furniture company when I was in college. And that is how I kind of got into that space. And then I began to see what good looking furniture looks like versus okay looking furniture. And, you know, so that's what kind of got me. It wasn't like I started looking for it. I just, they were, I was an engineering student. They were looking for someone that had some engineering background. I got into that space. And then you start seeing, oh, and then especially when you go to the, sh the annual um, conferences and work uh, that they have, you start seeing other competitors and how furniture looks in space. That's what kind of got me into it. And I started, I just continued and stayed in that industry. Got it. And, and then fast forward from there, there till now, it's this, it's just more like now you're able to apply the knowledge of the world of furniture and into building roomy as a, as a whole. So that is correct. Yeah. So. The knowledge base I have is more in terms of durability, you know, especially when you're renting furniture, just understanding the furniture pieces that we are, that people are trying to list on the platform, you know, how durable could these, these be, how long had they last, um, understanding sustainability from the brand's perspective, you know, are they, are they considering, you know, where all the components are coming from, what their footprint is, you know, and stuff like that. So just having a better understanding of their sustainability um, approach to product development is stuff that I look into as well. So a lot of the brands that we have on the platform, a significant amount of the brands we have on the platform have those kind of things in place already. Okay. And so fast forward to now your your uh, idea of Rumi, your mission and vision of Rumi. So in ways, like, could you share some examples of how Rumi has contributed to more affordable and sustainable living for its users? Yeah. So um, in terms of affordability, if you are looking to um, a couple of examples of customers that we've had is people that are um, moving into, like you said, an empty apartment in the Chicago land area here, and they are looking to furnish a two bedroom apartment, but they have a set budget, yeah. you know? So we, we, we've been able to, you know, they've been able to find the brands they're looking for at a price point that's affordable for them without the hassle of owning that furniture piece at the end of it. So for them, it's, it's a win-win. It's a win for the furniture owner because one, that furniture piece that they have uh, in storage is now generating income for them. And it's a win for as well the the renter because they're able to furnish that space with, you know, aesthetically pleasing affordable furniture pieces 
that if they so choose to own at the end of the rental period, they can. And a, a, you know whatever they've been paying towards rent goes towards that um, buyout price at the end of it as well. And so, what? How many clients? Uh, sorry, how many people are on your application? On your sorry, on your platform right now? We currently have about a hundred and fifty on the platform um, between customers and just people that have accounts on that uh, on the platform. Um, and then on a monthly basis, we see you know about a fifteen to twenty percent activity in terms of rentals and listings and stuff like. 15 to 20 percent activity so it's kind of like what's your target demographic is just t- typical like people who are, who are very mobile or what's your target demographic yeah the target demographics is um women um single maybe married um college educated um have ha- do have a high paid job they can't afford to buy the furniture they just don't want to have to deal with the um inconvenience of trying to get rid of it when they move because they tend to move like roughly once every two years on average so they move for jobs they move for relationships they're moving between one city to another so our target market is talking that person that does want high-end furniture but doesn't want to have to deal with all the um issues involved with trying to sell your furniture or buy furniture like on popular um marketplaces like facebook marketplace facebook marketplace is great nothing wrong with it um there's a whole bunch of stuff you have to deal with and try to, you don't know when a project's going to sell. You're competing with other products on the, on the platform. Uh, you have flaky buyers that would ask you if it's, it's available and then you don't hear back from them. There's, yeah. there's a whole, just, I still, uh, I, you know, one thing is I'm officially banned from Facebook marketplace. I still have, I haven't, I've been banned for three years. I still can't even get access to it. I still call contact those guys like, nope, we still, they haven't even given me a chance to really appeal the case. What what happened? I I was post I was actually posting some and I was working with a real estate company and then I did was help help a company just post some photos for this property and then they just like they just say okay banned you're banned wow yeah I mean yeah, it, it's 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 a it's a very finicky place I always realize that place is very finicky sometimes in the way it's uh, structured yeah but, the thing about social channels is that your content that's why they tell you this they you know it's nothing wrong with having your content on all these social platforms but if they ban you that's it you can't add it's just you like, can't one, one, like one mistake you make they you just like you're out <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've i've seen that happen to me once and i've appealed and i got back in and it's like okay but it's like you know, I, that the reason I I know about that was that uh, in my first startup, which is has nothing to do with this conversation here, but just to set an example, one of the things I did was I needed to raise money for my first startup, so we created these presidential cereal boxes uh, with real cereal in it, kind of like what Airbnb did, and we used it to raise. You know, I was living in Iowa, so I was able to you know sell these boxes at fifty bucks, fifty dollars a box. Um, and raise the money I wanted, but I had to now put ads on Facebook and it got a little bit funny. So they kind of like kicked me out initially and they brought me back up. Yeah. But anyways, I think yours is more friendlier for people than Facebook marketplace. That's for sure. Your platform. Yep. I agree. It's a better, it's a better experience, better experience. And so what are some, can you provide some insights into how Rumi like really helped out is is helping out with reducing furniture waste and mindful consumption? Yeah. So the way Rumi is helping with furniture waste, um, stats show that about twelve million tons of furniture go ends up in the ends up like in, in um, landfills every year just because of 
you know, just either because of how the furniture is made, because a lot of what we call fast furniture, kind of like fast furniture, is not designed for multiple moves. It's not the, designed for multiple assembling and disassembling. So when Rumi is looking at potential furniture brands that we are interested in, that you may have, that you want to put on the platform, those are the things we're looking at. Is this fast furniture or is it sustainable furniture that could go from you to another user, the next user uses it for how, however long they need it, and it could go on and go on and have more life than it's used once, or maybe it's it, it makes its way onto Rumi, gets used once, and that's the end of it, and it's on the curb, and it's going out on garbage day. You know, so from a sustainability transport, um, uh, from a sustainability point of view, we are making sure that the the brands that are offered on our platform have sustainability built in, into it, and just more of a more of a maybe not sustainability is the right term I'm using, but another term is the quality of how things are, are built to make sure it's built in such a way that it's going to last longer than just one owner. And what is, so what would be a way, like, let's say for example, I have a bed and I just want, you know, cause my bed has been rat has been used for let's say 20 plus years and it's been ratted up and has all been just basically been used up to the point where it cannot be functional for the next person. So how would I make this, how, how, what would be a way to make this more, make it more, let's say aesthetically pleasing for the next person to use it? Let's say it that way. But, but that's an easy question to answer because on Rumi, we do not take the quality of furniture that we accept on the platform has to be brand new, excellent, or very good. It has to fall under those three. We don't do anything lower. Like I've been on Craigslist to look at furniture sometimes. And I'm like, how could someone try to sell that? Like no one go buy it. Maybe someone will buy it, but we won't take it. Rumi won't take it. So the age and the quality of the furniture factor into what we accept on Rumi. So the age of the furniture has to be at maximum three years old. And the quality of it has to either be brand new, very good, or in excellent condition or very good. So in the in those situation where you said it's 20 years old, it wouldn't even it would when you're trying to fill out the the oh not try to when you're trying to list your furniture on the platform, you would you probably won't be able to get through because we would ask you questions like how old is the furniture, what's the condition of it, and then you upload pictures. And we still have to actually look at what the list before your listing goes public, we get to we get to take a look at it right. before it goes live. And so what, okay, so do you have a team of people in your company that just just spends their time examining all the furnitures that people send to you before, you know, before approval? Yeah, so right now it's a, it's a manual process. Um, it's something we would definitely would like to automate um, in such a way that we could quickly give it a yes or a no. But right now, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's me, my co-founder, and another founder that we we take a look at it and just validate and approve it. Okay. And what is so? In what ways do they does Rumi prioritize the quality and sustainability of this of this of this furniture? Like I know you mentioned that earlier, but in in is there any other way that you prioritize the quality? Yeah, it's more the ways I've described. It's the age. It's the condition. Um, sometimes it's also what you're asking for. You know, the price may play a point, play a, play a, play, a, play a part in the in the decision making. If it's not, you know, we have a, we have our proprietary way of understanding what the MSRP would be for a furniture piece that's listed on the platform. So if you are way out of bounds, then it's like. You know, expect you. We can approve it, but expect your listing to just sit there for a while because 
it's it's not competitive. And so, how many? You mentioned you have a founder, a co-founder, and and like a third person in your company, right? Those are the three main people working inside, like working with the company at the moment. That is correct. And so, where do you? What's the? What's your long-term vision as this leading destination for peer peer-to-peer furniture rentals? And how do you make that a reality? Yeah, very good question. So we're hyper-focused here in Chicago. Um, the plan is to, uh, like you and I had a conversation about where we are in our fundraising process between pre-seed and seed. Obviously, a lot of the stuff that we have right, that we've built out right now is is for the market to, to get to know who we are. Our plan is to expand more in the Midwest here. Um, Chicago, obviously, is where we're starting from. We're looking at Atlanta. We're looking at larger markets like LA, um, New York as well as potential next markets. Because, you know, condos, for example, in New York City are a whole different um, animal compared to what's in Chicago. Everything's a lot smaller. Yeah. You know, so their their furniture needs are going to be different. So we're looking, you know, that'll be another interesting dynamics that we're trying to understand. So our vision is not to just be a peer-to-peer um, marketplace in the Midwest, but looking at other uh, markets that make sense for us to move into that has the right demographics for us to move into. And, and you know, one thing about your about this platform is that you're trying to really centralize all these different aspects of moving furniture and you know sharing furniture and you know and uh, handling furniture at the same time. So how are you able? Because you know there it's a logistics of the whole fur the logistical part of the furniture business is a very complex one. Uh, Correct. And so how are you able to make sure that this app will be able to ensure all this synchronicity of all these different things coming together? That's a very good question. Um, it's part of what we are testing um, on a daily basis. We do have relationship with partners that allow us to um, scale up or scale down supply and demand in terms of logistical needs that we, that we may have. You know, so that allows us to, if we have a bigger demand in the month of February, you know, what does that mean for logistics in terms of storage, in terms of transportation back and forth between owners, sellers, and buyers? You know, so we have things put in place um, that are only on demand, you know, versus us actually owning um, any like real estate to kind of like manage logistics or stuff like that. And what is this so as you mentioned this is a one one issue that comes out of this is that the amount of furniture being exchanged back and forth and some people will say okay i think we're, we're just done with this furniture and that you know let's just say the way you might select some of these furnitures in general like you know you have a high standard of like it has to be brand new it has to be this 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 where feel like it's causing because you want it brand new but then people will start discarding old furniture you know that might contribute to that unsustainable landfill so would that be also be a major factor in terms of sustainability like the way you're trying to accept some of these furnitures you know usually the way sustainability works is that people exchange you don't nothing is thrown inside nothing is thrown to waste even 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 rotten tattered up furniture but because let's say they want to discard some of their furniture but they but they see your platform as like a peer-to-peer furniture exchange and because they're because you're accept you want to accept brand new furniture but they cannot really send that over to you it's like you know they have no choice but to throw it away so wouldn't that be causing more of an environmental issue right there that is a very good question um through the way we handle that it is once you have a furniture in our system and it's going through um, 
couple of hands and it's getting to the point where it's it's life is a little bit more diminished than when it came in options that we have that we haven't executed on is like donations to chicago um i just i just had the name on top of my mind um it's like it's, it's a chicago furniture bank for example where it can find a hole it's not top and furniture but it still has a hole that it ends up going to so we do funnel it that way it's just that if we started, if we opened up the platform, because like I told you, our target market is not the renter center target market. Yes. If you're like go to renter center, go there because they don't have good credit. They can't afford to buy brand new. So they settle for okay looking furniture. Our target market on the on our side, on Rumi's side, are people that are they're college graduates. They have a high paying job. They are used to these high-end brand furniture pieces. However, they don't want to deal with the inconvenience associated with it when they have to move because they move quite frequently. Right. You know, so the people, once you start look, coming to your roommate's side and you see the kind of furniture pieces that are on there, that would kind of clue you to, you cannot have my my grandfather's lazy boy listed on the, on the platform. It, it, it just will work. Yes. It may end up going to landfill, but there are other channels that they could use to try to, to move that on to somebody else. They can use Craigslist. There are other channels out there. We're not Craigslist. We're not we're not Facebook. We're Rumia. We're focused on an, an, a niche premium peer-to-peer -peer marketplace for premium financial pieces is what we're focused on. We're not just accepting everything at all. So yeah, to answer your question about sustainability, through Rumi, yes, we have a, 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 a small set of furniture style and age and quality that we're looking at however these other furniture pieces that you just described um may end up in landfill um but we've also seen sales of these furniture pieces on facebook marketplace and craigslist so there are people buying them we're just not it's not happening on our platform interesting so yeah i think we're going to wrap up this conversation by saying by this one with this one final question which is you know you're you were in this field of you know in the field of entrepreneurship and and you know you're building a comp building a brand new company from scratch so what advice would you give to people out there who are you know going through the grind going through the struggle the advice i'll give you is um if you are bootstrapping your business you want to be very slow in spending money because you will spend money really fast if you're not clear on what you want to do. So you want to make sure you're testing a lot of things as cheaply as possible, especially when it comes to your MVP. There are ways of testing things inexpensively than testing things fully built. Yeah. You know, so as an entrepreneur, it's very important that you, you while you're testing out different things about your concept and idea. What are those ways you could do it without spending a ton of money to understand if this is going to add more value to the end user and it's getting you closer to product market fit, which product market fit is nothing that happens overnight. Sometimes it takes years, but can you, can you begin to move the ball in that direction and say, okay, this, for example, when you come to Rumi, as an example, we have what we kind of like call it a CarMax approach to selling your furniture. You come there, you give us some details. We give you a fair offer. It's good for three days. If you accept it, we'll pay you, we'll pay you cash and pick it up. Right. Why is that important? We're testing that out. You know, why is that important to the traditional way of just listing your furniture on Facebook Marketplace? And you have an idea when it's going to sell. However, you have to move out on the 15th of, of February, which is just a couple of days away. And it's still sitting there. And now you're like, okay, what are my options? I got to abandon it in an apartment, give it away, or just 
put it on the curbside and we're giving you a better option. So my advice to entrepreneurs is that if you're bootstrapping, swear, you know, be very slow to spend money. And if you're spending money, make sure you're spending money on your, in a way that you could, you're testing things in a very inexpensive way. Very important. Very cool, Dapo. Thank you so much for coming on the Next in Time podcast and wishing you the best with Rumi. Thank you, SD. Appreciate you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Next in Time podcast. We hope you enjoyed diving into the intriguing vision of our guest today. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media to stay updated on future episodes. If you have any suggestions or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, stay curious and keep exploring.